0: Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the Two Peas.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. It means a lot to me. This is Gerald here with you, of course, your host. And I got to bring in a guest host every week another pee on the pod, if you will, and another first-time guest this week that I'm so excited about. We've been chatting for a few months now about making this happen, and here we are. So 2023 is new guest, new year. We're doing it. And another one this week, like I said, Kenzie from Oscar Central is on the peas for the first time. Kenzie, how are you?
2: I'm great. I'm so excited to be here, especially like this time of year. It's thrilling that I was considered for this.
1: No, I mean, I mean, who else could I have though? Really, let's be honest. You're doing Oscar Central over there. <laughs> We're right in the heart of award season. The BAFTAs just happened yesterday, by the way. Shout out to Austin Butler. Am I right? How good was that?
2: I think that was one of the first <laughs> times my daughter, who is a little over a year, has seen me scream. So that yeah, was thrilling. I loved it. I was to say I was over the moon is an, an like an understatement.
1: I absolutely loved it. If I'm the member of any armies this season, it's Babylon and Austin Butler. I'm ready. Let's I'm in both let, of those. So I yeah,
2: this is you great. You are. I've this been, is great. We've
1: been crossing paths. No, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, Kenzie's here from Oscar Central. And like I said, this episode's airing. We're recording it in February, but it's airing a week before the broadcast of the Academy Awards. So, Kenzie, tell them real quick what is the top five tonight? What are we counting down?
2: We are doing something that is very near and dear to my heart. It jumped out at me from your list. We are doing mm-hmm. top five Oscar snubs.
1: We are, and um, man, I got well. Let's just give a couple asterisks to the listeners up top. So we're we're doing. We decided to kind of curate our list. If the person or movie or whatever we end up naming it didn't get nominated at all for the Academy Awards, right? Correct. So good. When you Google it and when you kind of like think about it in your head, like some will come to mind from several years ago and I'll be like, I can't believe that didn't, you know, that got snubbed. But it turns out maybe it did get nominated. It just didn't win. But we just went straight up. They didn't even get recognized in terms of a nomination. And I'm right saying that, right, Kenzie? You went that way as well.
2: Yes. And I think that is a better way to go with snubs because Mm -hmm. that's what I think of first when I think of snubs is like they didn't even bother there was no chance for them to yeah. win an Oscar. So I love those parameters.
1: I agree. Cause it's like that old thing where it's like, it's just an honor to be nominated. Yeah. You know? And that, I feel like that's true to a certain extent. Like, you know, we were just talking about Austin Butler. I mean, you know, he's a young dude. He hasn't done a lot, but just use him as an example. Like he's nominated at all these different award shows, including the Oscars. So like, if, If Brendan Fraser wins it or like Colin Farrell, like he's not going to be like, he's truly going to be like, it was such an honor to be a part of the five that got mentioned. Whereas you have somebody like Mia Goth who is on your shirt tonight, not even mentioned. And you're just like mind blown based on the performance. So I think that you're right. I think it's, is like a more, like, it's like a extra snub. (laughs) It's like,
2: <laughs> like the deepest cut you could possibly get <laughs> like, yeah. in this game, at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we've been talking about this for a while. You know, you and I got together, we've been friends on social media. We got together because of our mutual adoration for Nicole Ackman. We love her. So yeah, uh, I know she's part the of
2: best. Am, the best. I literally the best. I am meeting her for the first time in real life this week. And I Oh my am, god, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so like starting off the week with someone who lives near her. And then she'll be here at the end of the week is pretty funny.
1: Wow. I didn't know that. And I was just telling you, I think I might be meeting yeah, her as so well. So
2: big week for Nicole Ackman stands. Big <laughs>
1: wow. Week. It's like the <laughs> Nicole Ackman stands are coming out this week. Man. That's great. But anyway, so we've been talking about this a little bit. So when you were doing your research, Kenzie, and, you know, I know you're deep into the Oscars and you do Oscar Central. You guys had like you had more categories than the actual Oscars do when you did your awards a couple of weeks ago, which was great, by the way. I'm
2: pretty sure we had 36 categories.
0: Yeah. And it was a lot. It was a lot. A
1: lot, But it was great. I loved it. Uh, I listened to the whole thing. And uh, it was awesome. And I loved hearing you guys kind of pine over a lot of that stuff. And I I was joking with you that I love that Don't Worry Darling got so many, (laughs) got so much love during that.
2: The thing is, I think that something people forget is like, you don't have to like a movie to admire the technical aspects Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And I think Don't Worry Darling is a great example of that, because all the pieces are there. It's just the script. Like, and I, um, my good friend Emma Sasek from Next Best Picture, like she lives in Palm Springs, and showed so many pictures mm-hmm. of like the neighborhood they shot in, and I was just like, "This production design and cinematography—it's over the edge. I don't know how you, you shut it out." Yeah. So we had to do something. We had to do something.
1: You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a hater of that film. I mean, I know it's not the greatest thing in the world, but like I, I liked my time with it. Like, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it.
2: If people are allowed to enjoy Ant-Man, I'm allowed to enjoy Don't Worry Darling, I think is the (laughs) moral of the story.
1: (laughs) That's fair. Sure. But I wanted to ask you, Kenzie, when you were doing your research for this top five, without giving any of your picks away, how was that for you? Was it like pretty easy to develop that list or was it kind of hard research for you?
2: Yes and no, because I my parents were really into the Oscars, so I actually mm-hmm. have been watching them my entire life. And oh, wow. there are some that like I knew were going to be on my list right away. And then from there, I gave myself my own parameters of my top five will strictly mm-hmm. be people or nominations that were actually in contention for nomination, not things... I was hope dicting that I wanted to get a nomination. So I did, I tried my best to do people who only got precursors or, and then were just snubbed at the last minute and not Mm -hmm. do people who were like Mia Goth, where I was just like, please get in. Like, yeah. Because if I did, please get in, we would be here for 10 years. Like, I have too, I'm a horror (laughs) girly. So, like,
1: well, guy, but yeah.
2: The list goes on and on for us horror fans Mm -hmm. of performances, editing, sound that didn't get in. So it's just, it's... Makeup.
1: Makeup Makeup and costume. I mean, every year, every every year year there should be a horror film in that for makeup. I mean, it's crazy. So
2: it was quite a journey for me to cut it down, but I did do it. Mm -hmm. I did do it. But...
1: Well, well, I'm proud of you. you. it, It was It was equally tough for me. I, you know... I kind of follow the same mindset as you did, where it was like, if they were in the discussion that particular year, they, they were eligible for my list. Whereas if it was just kind of like a wishful thinking, not necessarily. But at the same time, you were mentioning horror, and I'll use that as an example without giving any of my picks away. But when it comes to that like kind of umbrella, where it's just like a whole like population of people or texts or whatever is being ignored then I kind of picked one to represent that. And you'll see what I mean, because there's two in my top five that are kind of like a group of people as opposed to like one specific nomination. But it's just crazy to me with the horror thing and that, people are always like you because i'm a huge oscars guy as you know but i'm an even bigger horror guy so people are just like i can't believe you like the oscars they never do anything for horror and i'm like i know it's like
2: you kind of like learn to just go with it like you're (laughs) like it doesn't even hurt me anymore it's gone on so long that like it would just be a treat if something happened for us (laughs) like
1: yeah i agree i agree So we'll see where we go. I mean, you know, I've been following you on Twitter and stuff, and uh, a lot of the people that you're close to. I think we have similar sensibilities, which is another reason I was excited to get you on the broadcast finally. But I don't know. You said at the top, I can't remember if it was before we started recording, but you said you didn't think we would have any crossover because you got kind of cute. I tried
2: my best. We might have. There's two I'm thinking you might consider, but the the Mm. three I'm pretty sure I shall be alone on. We'll see, though. I could say that, and then you could be like, wow, we're five for five. Like-
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you never know. Let's find out. I'm going to let you get us started. Kenzie Venunu from Oscars Central. Awesome. What's your number five Oscar snub?
2: Okay. My number five is one of my more recent ones, but it is one that is a horror nomination that we were kind of just touching on. Mm-hmm. Suspiria for hair mm-hmm. and makeup because – the following year, they expanded the category from three to five. So Mm -hmm. you could say that is the Suspiria rule that it was because I heard from people who attended the Bake Off, because it was shortlisted, that it had one of the best presentations, the best footage, they made spoiler alert, Tilda Swinton, three characters. And some people didn't even know that she was three characters and right. that was all due to the amazing hair and makeup work in that film. And that movie has some of the strongest gory scenes I have seen in a modern film in so long. And that is mostly some of it's due to visual effects, but for the most part, that is the hair and makeup team and the amount of prosthetics in that film. I just truly, was blown away. And a lot of my friends in LA like work on prosthetic teams. And we're just like, that is some of the best work I've ever seen. And to just go unchecked was, it was heartbreaking. I think about it a lot.
1: It's crazy. I got something to tell you. I just saw this, the one you're referring to, for the very first time like two or three weeks ago. It was a blind spot for me. And I was like, I actually had an episode with another guest and I, and I was doing blind spots. Like my top five blind spots. And I was like, I've never seen Suspiria. I love Dakota Johnson. I love so many things that have to do with that movie. And
2: what did you think?
1: I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I agree with you that the aesthetic and the makeup and stuff is just like phenomenal. And I can remember it being part of the discussion that yeah, year too. It,
2: it was very much like everyone I know thinks it was number four. <laughs> So if it had been the following year, it would have easily been in because you would have had five spots. Ugh. So it's Crazy. just really insulting because the hair and makeup category was added to the Oscars because of horror movies. And yeah. for it to just like essentially now be the fat suit category is very upsetting.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and this, this would be an exercise and maybe somebody's done it. I don't know. But you could go back the last. 30 years at least and you could start with every year like 1985 up until today and every year you could probably find a movie in the horror genre that could easily be in the top five makeup
2: exactly i I mean
1: especially like the practical stuff and
2: that's the thing it's it's like it's such practical work and there's so much to it because it's like regular hair and makeup on everyday people and then there's like blood or monsters and it's just like mm -hmm. the work is never ending and to see yeah. that the, specifically that genre of film be shut out from this category is so upsetting. And just knowing if it had been one year later, it would have been nominated is
1: it's tough. It's, it's tough. My it's daughter's tough 21. She uh, she's a film editor. She's in film school. And she keeps saying that she's going to get to Hollywood, you know, post college and she's going to get to the Academy. She's going to make a difference. She <laughs> like, will, she we will. Need to get more young She'll. people there.
2: Yes. You know, Like, you can see, like, the just within the voting body. So, imagine, like, people out here working there. It's just, like, it makes a difference, so.
1: It is heartbreaking, though. You're right. I mean, it's I feel so bad for so many people that make those types of movies come to life. I mean, without that makeup work, a lot of those movies don't work, you know.
2: If it was, like, if it's bad makeup work, it immediately falls to, like, a B-movie category. And it's, like,
1: yeah,
2: it's just the work is astounding. And it's astounding. It doesn't get in.
1: Well, so, I, I think yeah. it's a great pick, and I I think it's so funny that you picked one that I literally just saw a few weeks ago, and I, I loved it, and I agree, I echo your sentiment. I think I think I'm it's glad a great you pick.
2: Saw it before I said that because then you would have been like, "Who?" I know.
1: <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> that. but you know, as a horror guy, people are like, "You haven't seen that?" I'm like, "No, I haven't," but I, well, I corrected it, it a few was weeks pretty ago. Pretty
2: so. divided when it came out because people are so protective of the original, which like right. I was too, but I trust Lego Lico- Guadagnino with my life. So mm-hmm. I was never going to not be interested, but I feel like people are well, going on it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And and I, I do remember kind of the divisiveness initially, but yeah, I think yeah. It, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. So I think it's a good pick to get it started. So my number five, you know, you kind of you started with, with tech for years. Mine's not necessarily technical stuff, but it's behind the camera. And it's going to be Bradley Cooper's direction of A Star is Born is my number five. Uh, this was my favorite movie of 2018. It was my favorite movie that year. It was my number one. I love so many things about it, from the performances to the the music. I mean, Shallow is a freaking banger for the all times of <laughs> anything you want to name, any song from any movie. But what Cooper did as a director here, an actor slash director, and the way it was shot in such a like personal way. Like, it was such a personal portrait that he was painting, I felt like. And he took this, you know, we're talking about remakes with Suspiria. But he took this kind of, like, remake and kind of modernized it a little bit. But, you know, I, I saw different behind-the-scenes stuff where he, like, you know, filmed the concert footage, like, at, I think it was Coachella or he South by Southwest or something at like that.
2: Stagecoach. And he also filmed at Glastonbury. And Glastonbury is yeah. really cool because he filmed – right before Chris Christopherson went on set. Okay. In between his sets. And that is so incredible that he was filming a remake of a Chris Christopherson movie playing (laughs) the Chris Christopherson part. It was like, let me interrupt your set.
1: So meta. Yeah.
2: He played in front of real audiences.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So he really embraced like the kind of – because the film feels real. Like it feels like a real – like fly on the wall situation as an audience member. And I think that a lot of that has to do with his direction. Of course, the performances as well. I mean, Lady Gaga was amazing in this, as was he. He did get nominated for acting, but not for directing. And I just remember, because you were talking about precursors and stuff. He was in the conversation the whole year. He was getting nominated for other stuff. And I felt like it was a big snub when he didn't get nominated. I don't think he would have won that year. And I wasn't necessarily even expecting that. But I definitely expected a nomination. Like I said, it was tough for me, too, because it was my favorite movie that year. So that's my number five. Bradley Cooper for director for A Star is Born. So you're a fan of this, too.
2: I guess you. I was. This was like my whole like A Star is Born and then Suspiria in 2018 were like my entire personality. I have maybe 500 (laughs) memes about A Star is Born on my phone. I think it is one of the strongest directorial debuts. Of the yeah. last 20 years, I easily my mom is a really big Barbara Streisand fan and a Judy Garland fan, so both of their versions of A Star is Born were classics in my household. Sure. So when this came out, I was like, it's Lady Gaga because I originally was on Pop Girl Twitter, so that was like the merging of my two, like interests and um mm-hmm. but i was not a fan of bradley cooper i was not interested in oh, okay. the hangover i was not interested in american sniper any of that but now mm-hmm. i would lay down my life for that man i don't know what he did with the star is born but like my god it's it's so personal like you were saying like everyone's like lydia tar is she real was jackson main real what did this man <laughs> exactly do? I was completely blown away. The way he shot all the performances is also so interesting because now you see it a lot with the camera behind them on stage. And I think that like he really brought that back because that's a very classic way to shoot performances. But it kind of went away because people were so focused on making us an audience member, whereas he wanted us to feel connected to the performer and how the performer felt. And I Mm -hmm. think that there are so many maneuvers in that film where it's just like, such exquisite filmmaking that i just feel like we don't really get anymore from like mid budget adult dramas um but and then that final scene where she is singing and it cuts to him is um one of the worst and best things that's ever happened to me i remember i took my entire team from my day job to go see this movie a week early and I was like, you guys are going to love it. And they were all like, I'm going to sue you for emotional distress. <laughs> I I just think he is. It was such an incredible directorial debut. And the way well, he was it, double nominated at DGA Lost is. I um, know. It's well, it's, it's one of those
1: things, too, where it's like. It, it's almost like unfathomable that it was his first direction. I, and <laughs> it's just like you watch it and you go. I mean, I think of Charlotte Wills this year, too, for After Aftersun. Yes. And I'm just like this is the first movie you've directed it's really
2: crazy. like what am i
1: doing with my life confidence <laughs> you know?
2: behind the camera and yeah. obviously bradley cooper has been on so many movie sets he really learned from that but like I, I i in my head i assume he'll get snubs again next year for maestro i feel like they won't mm. give him a director nomination once again but they're uh, looking at next year he could be a 12 time oscar loser 13 time even so they need to they need to figure something out with this man. He's going to end up Diane Warren with an honorary and like 27 nominations. Yeah, he's like
1: he did that. He did that T-Mobile ad, which I'm glad mom, we have that.
2: OK, so I wasn't watching the Super Bowl <laughs> and like 30 people texted me like his mom roasted him about being an Oscar oh, loser. It's hilarious.
1: <laughs> it was hilarious. And then but he yeah.
2: lost. His team lost at the Super Bowl.
1: Four yeah, guys. oh yeah, that's Four right. Guys. I didn't even he think about that. He yeah. can't
2: win anything. He literally can't, you know what? But he does have a Grammy from a star <laughs> he'll never right, have an yeah. oscar but he has a grammy
1: <laughs> oh man i hope you're wrong but yeah that was my
2: number six just because
1: oh wow okay yeah
2: I, he almost made it in but i was trying to i didn't want everyone to know all five of mine if that makes sense. i got
1: you i got you <laughs> well there you go that's my number five so you had uh this hair and makeup team from suspiria your number five what's your number four
2: my number four is one that I feel like a lot of people will probably have if you ask them to make this list. But it's one of the first ones I remember being really invested in because it was my first Oscar season living in LA. It is mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield in supporting actor for the social network.
1: Wow. Uh yeah.
2: Yeah. He uh is that movie to me. Like he has so many incredible line deliveries, and not even just his line deliveries obviously his fuck you flip-flops is one of the greatest things that ever happened but um he just like has this way he moves his body differently throughout the movie as he becomes more sure of himself more scared of himself more scared of the situation they're in and i also think that that movie obviously revolves so much around jesse's performance but andrew is like our connection, kind of like he's kind of the audience surrogate in a way because you're sure we'll never be Mark Zuckerberg, but like we right. can all relate to the person who is alongside exactly. someone he's, and gets is relatable,
1: yeah, for and sure.
2: I think he does such a good job of like being someone who belongs at Harvard but being relatable, which is like obviously really easy to do when someone is playing Mark Zuckerberg in the opposite of relatable. But I just think he, I don't know, that was very much like a, he is a movie star, and I want to see him in everything he does after that, like, Mm -hmm. and he got Golden Globe nominations, he got a BAFTA nomination, like, he did miss SAG, which should have been uh, a sign of what was to come. But at the time, that movie felt like it was gunning to win pitcher and director. So to not Mm -hmm. have supporting actor along for the ride was just... A travesty, and the way the social network ended up being repaid at the Oscars. We should have known. Of course, he didn't get in, but it was just. It. I just don't like his Oscar nomination for Hacksaw Ridge, but um, this yeah. should. This could have been like a career-defining Oscar nomination. He might be better off that he didn't get it, but I think it's just of modern movie performances that have been snubbed that are not horror girls. That is one that. Cuts yeah pretty uh, deep
1: it's coming up on it's coming up on my list too i'll just tell you we have a little more crossover there so i love that i i'll talk a lot about it yeah. when it comes up <laughs> on my list but i think i think at least in like recent memory this is like the biggest like what the fuck were you guys watching that you didn't put this put this name on this paper like i can't believe i mean regardless of winning or whatever i think you should have won it that year but regardless i do too. She's not even nominated. Like, what are we doing here? Like, it's
2: really crazy. It's one of those things. Yeah, I mean, it's like, insane. My husband's very out of tune of all this stuff. Like, he overhears me. He gets tired of me talking to him about it. But we rewatch the Social Network like once every few years, and he even is like, "Really? Like yeah. this? You you didn't do that? Like, I just... and you know, maybe." It was too much for them or something. I don't know. But I feel like he checks yeah. on the boxes that we think they want to see in a performance. Mm. He yells. He cries. He gets emotional. He's calm. He he has so many clips. I just, it's,
0: mm-hmm. it's
2: too much to bear, honestly. Yeah. I can't wait to hear all your thoughts on this.
1: I, I agree with you, though. But Andrew Garfield from The Social Network your number four. My number four is kind of a representation of the entire women of horror snub fest that we've been getting for the last 30 plus years and I could have picked a couple here I have one in my honorables that literally could be in this spot too but who I decided to pick was Lupita Nyong'o from Jordan Peele's Us so that would be my number four I, I mean she's playing essentially two different characters one villainous like s- scary just monster basically and then one really kind of like quiet mother figure. And she's one of the, I think one of the greatest actresses of the last 10 years or so. And she absolutely just slayed this role. I mean, it was just so good. Like you would see her in one frame as, you know, one character. And then you would see her in the other frame as the tethered character. And like, you wouldn't compute. I mean, we would, cause you know, we're into the season or whatever, but, it would be hard for like a GA member to compute like that's the same person like they're just so different. And she just like was so perfect in both roles throughout the movie. And I just feel like, you know, woman of color also, which would have been great. Uh, Jordan Peele has had a little bit of Academy pedigree with Get Out coming into this. So I don't. I mean, it was it's one of those kind of like you cross your fingers and you pray at night and like maybe it'll happen. And, you know, if it happens, everybody's flabbergasted. So I understand that. But I I, again, she's kind of the representation for me, kind of what we've been talking about the whole episode, where it's just like, you know, women of horror or just horror movies in general just don't get any representation from the Academy. And I feel like she's a perfect example for us. And I feel like that, it, in other words, had that been nominated, I don't think anybody that saw that performance would go, well, that was dumb. Why did you nominate her? They would all be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, she fucking
2: Even killed that. Even if you, you know don't I mean? <laughs> like horror movies, because which is so funny, My fa- like I have been a horror person. My parents showed me The Exorcist when I was six years old, and it just like changed my life forever. Wow. And my husband, I cannot talk about a horror movie. He's like, absolutely not. But oh wow. us he was interested in because he heard it wasn't like scary, scary. So we did watch mm-hmm. it together. Mm-hmm. And but he we watched it after the Oscars that year. and he was like, how could you not do that? Like so it's like one of those things that like anyone who sees it or even just sees a clip of her playing both parts is so confused she didn't get in. And she did get SAG, and she had the like and obviously mm-hmm. critic wins do not channel to anything, but she had the most critic wins of any performer that year in any acting race, and mm-hmm. it's just she's a former winner, like it. And then like you were saying, Jordan Peele had just won an Oscar. Like I understand the we don't nominate horror movies, but it's like you don't nominate <laughs> horror movies that are like written and directed by former winners and I like know. starring a starring former, winner. former winners, yeah. It's and it's really crazy, like you're saying, like women of color in horror is such a like really like we always talk about horror being shut out in general, but like women of color in horror never even mentioned when people make like best of lists. And Lupita really changed that with her performance because people were like, You cannot ignore this. And I I Mm -hmm. really thought like her snub was gonna be like this wake up call of like we have to include horror movies. Obviously it didn't happen. No. But I, and I do always list, like, Nicole is not a horror person. And that was a movie I put on a list of horror movies to recommend for her. Because, one, she's interested in the Oscars, obviously. Like, we run Oscar Central together. And mm-hmm. I always talk about, like, that's one that really hurts me the most. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful set of performances. Because, like you're saying, she plays two roles. It's the physicality to her performance. The first scene yep. of um, the other set. Of her in the house mm-hmm. where she's like crawled up on the chair is I know terrifying and it's Absolutely. so funny when you see her in real life she's the sweetest kind I didn't even know she could do something like that and it just yeah shows and then you'll like, cut
1: back to and you'll cut back to her you know yeah crying and she's like,
2: reacting the Jordan Peele exactly. cry it's um it's a one of the most like of any. Recent horror film, like that's a performance that will like stand the test of time. And like, I'm not even that big a fan of that movie in particular. Like, I don't really Mm -hmm. think it works for me as well as it does for other people. But you cannot deny her perform, like every performance in that movie, but hers specifically. And she really sells the ending because I think that's the other thing is like that movie doesn't work at all without a performance of that caliber at the center. And I I think that like. That's what the Oscars are for. You can – we were talking about this with Don't Worry Darling. Like, you cannot like a movie but still like aspects of it. And this is the perfect example of, like, you cannot like horror but you cannot deny this performance.
1: I know. I know. It's, and it, that's
2: such a good one. That was actually my number seven. So,
1: oh, we're, we're, I'm giving all your audibles for my I know. top five. <laughs> Just
2: crossing them off. <laughs> but that's such a good one. And that's the perfect thing for what you were saying that you were, like, trying to honor – the horror genre yeah,
1: that and you know, actors of color too. I mean, yeah,
2: especially this week, we, that's such an important,
1: women, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So that's, that would be my number four. And I'll mention the other one that I think was uh, just a brain dead snub in the horror genre too, when we get to my honorable mentions, but I decided to go with Lupita. So what's up for you at near number three, Kenzie, what do you got?
2: So my number three is actually something that my parents always yelled about that has really stayed with me. Um, would be Do the Right Thing for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the most, like, if you had to make a time capsule of movies, that would definitely be in it. I think it is a movie that has defined movie watching, movie making, acting, writing, everything. And I always think of Best Picture as something that combines every category that's at the Oscars to make the yeah. best picture. And I don't think there's a movie that does that better than Do the Right Thing. It's a movie that I think becomes more relevant every year. And it's so crazy that it just wasn't even nominated. And then when you look at what won Best Picture that year, it is... What was
1: it? Remind me. I was trying to look it up real quick. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Ironic,
1: (laughs) right? Yeah. Wow.
2: It's uh, pretty brutal. But I think that honestly, like... Is something that'll like over time just like push up the do the right thing legacy is like it didn't even get nominated for a picture and look at what won. Like that's where we were at as a country and as a movie watching community, like that's what was popular. And I think that like just shows how important a movie like do the right thing is. And It's so crazy at the Academy Museum, they had a Spike Lee exhibit and obviously like 85% of it was do the right thing. And I'm like, it's really weird. This is in the Academy Museum.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Where were you guys in 89 or whatever? Yeah. so crazy. I mean, it also shows too, I mean, I know it's a time capsule a little bit because we're, you know, in fairness, we're talking about, you know, 30 plus years ago, but it also kind of shows too the detachment of the Academy from like the normal population quote unquote which is always kind of a thing where it's always like even us that are like really into the oscar season and make predictions and do all that stuff even we kind of scratch our heads sometimes like you know when green book one for example or like there's just always kind of this like ever existing detachment from what is an oscar movie versus what people are going oh this is a no-brainer like i mean I, you know I'm just going to tell you right now, like if everything everywhere doesn't win best picture this year, there's a detachment from like what the like zeitgeist conversation is among the mass population versus like the Academy members. And it might not win. And that's, that's okay. There's other great pictures and, you know, up up forward or whatever, but I just feel like that's a movie as an example. That's like, so like locked in to the general population. And then the Academy may or may not pick it. That's just an example, but.
2: Yeah, it's you know, a like Do the thing, right thing
1: was yeah. one of those years too.
2: Yeah, it's that whole thing of like they the pendulum always really swings back and forth between like they do something that appears populist mostly to older people, like Green Book. And then there's movies that win that are that say something and are representative of where we are as a country, like Moonlight. And it's just like really crazy to see how far back that goes where there's like big swings of like Mm -hmm. what wins and what wins the following year. And it's just like, it's one of those things I'm glad do the right thing. Maybe didn't win because people will always talk about it. Now is like people Mm -hmm. discover it as they grow up and they're like, wow, this movie didn't win. Like that's crazy. But there's always like that that backlash to movies that win. But I do think it would have aged like moonlight in a way where it would have been like, and Parasite, where it would have just been like one of the best winners that represented what people wanted and what actually won. But it's, it's one that really like stings me a lot. And my parents just talked about it all the time when I was growing up. And Mm -hmm. when I was old enough to like really watch it and understand it, because that's another thing is like, I watched it when I was young, and it didn't really like, click for me what it was saying. And once Mm -hmm. I got older and really watched it, it was just like, it's so insane. And then as like, The years have gone by it's like really crazy just seeing how it just remains like such an important piece of cinema with everything that's going Mm -hmm. on in our country and then when black clansman came out and lost a green book it was
1: i know it's like you're doing this again like
2: (laughs) at least he won his screenplay at least he won his screenplay but absolutely just it's i think it's like gonna always be one of the biggest snubs to me even if like it could have been in so many other places. Because it did get two nominations, but not picture. And obviously yeah, in a year no, of ten no. it would have been in, but in a year of five. For sure. It didn't yeah. make the cut. For which sure. Cuts me.
1: Well, it's a good pick and I agree with you. It's it's definitely a baffling thing, which I guess all these are that we're talking about. <laughs> but that's <laughs> your number three. Do the right thing. So my number three is another acting one. Actually, I think it's the first one I've well, no, I had Lupita before this, but So it's going to be Jake Gyllenhaal from Nightcrawler. All right. Um, This guy has put in a body of work that's pretty fucking good. Like you can name a lot of his roles that weren't necessarily in the quote unquote award season discussion that were award worthy in my opinion. But when you have a performance like his in Nightcrawler, it was at the time, at least such a like eye opening performance from him where, if you had known his work prior to that, you know, there, like I said, there was other stuff that was award worthy, but there was nothing like this where it was like, this guy's fucking committed to doing something completely different from anything he's done in his career. And he's giving it a thousand percent. And it was just, it was, it was scary. It was funny. It was somewhat sad at times. Like, it was this really kind of creepy, voyeuristic, like, image of this guy that he was painting and it was so memorable like in my opinion and he's done some great stuff but in my opinion this is his best performance i thought it was just a shame that he didn't uh, get mentioned for this one so
2: i this isn't my honorable mentions but um yeah. this was one that really got to me like what else does this man have to do right so Jake and Bradley have a quote-unquote feud that's never been verbalized. I just imagine it because of their <laughs> Bernstein fight. But,
0: oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
2: you know, this one is just the man lost all that weight. The Not that you have to do that, but like he did all these things physically, went to the mm-hmm. hospital, went punching his the mirror in this movie. And I just, it's really crazy that he got... Absolutely everything, Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, that was quite a shock that morning. It It only got screenplay, which it should have been in cinematography, and it did get all of these at BAFTA, like it got supporting actress, it got everything, and it's just really wild that such an American Los Angeles movie could be paid Mm -hmm. so little But I mean, that movie lives and dies on his performance. And it's one of those things where he is terrifying, but you cannot look away from him. Specifically, Mm -hmm. that scene where he comes back to the uh, news organization when he's more confident and he's like yelling at her, but like, Mm -hmm. and he's trying to like tower over her, but he's obviously like 50 pounds and cannot do that. It is just so scary. And it's very much like very similar to like horror movie performances. But it's obviously mm-hmm. not a horror movie. And there's something about his eyes in the movie that will just stay with me for the rest of my life. And I think that movie really like cemented him as like, oh, like he can do this. And then he didn't get nominated. And I I don't want to be mean to him. But his career has taken quite a turn that um, is not for me. Yeah. It is not yeah, for no, me. I and I think that all stems from this, honestly. I don't know. I don't want to speak for him. But like missing a nomination here, I feel like it did something because Ambulance ro- this Roadhouse remake. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I don't know
1: what the hell is that. <laughs> but to your point, though, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, he gave a thousand percent, he gave literally everything he could to this role. And I'm not saying he did it to be nominated, but I'm just saying but that he would in like his mind, to at
2: the end of all that, yeah.
1: But I'm just saying, in his mind, He's probably like kind of like what you said. Like what else can I do for a performance? Like I don't know that I could give anything else to yeah. a character. It, it's just so – it just sucks. So I wonder if it was too dark for the Academy because, you know, we've been talking about horror tonight. I don't know. If, yeah, I mean it's, it's a very really dark –
2: that it could just be too yeah. much because we do see that a lot with like especially lead actor where they kind of don't go for the darker performances or the more like they tend to do that more with like – female um performances but it's just mm-hmm. like it's so brutal that he missed out yeah. it's
0: like i mean this is this is his, this is his
1: performance man i mean this is his i'm not i mean maybe i don't i don't know i mean he's got a long way to go he's he's a young dude for all intents and purposes so i mean who knows i mean i hope, I hope he hope comes he, back
2: with something me too
1: i hope he's in the conversation again yeah
2: i just i can't do spider-man i can't do ambulance i can't i can't do it jake i need you back.
1: <laughs> i need you uh, back in a oh, movie, man. movie
2: i need you something yeah like i, need I you, can't do this i need
1: this. you back i need you back chasing the gold man let's go yeah. but oh. yeah no he's, he's a great actor nonetheless and i feel like this was his best performance that like you said was getting nominated other places it just was i remember being like oh, holy shit they didn't nominate him i remember that being one of the ones that i was just like based on the precursors at least that i was just flabbergasted so So there you go. Uh, We're up to our runner-ups. Kinsey, you're up first. What do you have at number two?
2: Okay. My number two has recently, well, kind of, been in the headlines again. Mm -hmm. So Lana Del Rey's Young and Beautiful for The Great Gatsby did -hmm. not get a nomination, even though many, myself included, consider it one of the best original songs ever written for a film. Um, But the reason it's been Back in the Conversation is because Bruce Brotner was nominated for a film. He emailed every member of the Academy to vote for him. So they rescinded Mm -hmm. his nomination. And with everything that went on with Andrea Riseboro, people brought this up because it's the most recent nomination to be rescinded. Um, Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, before the nominations, during the week of Oscar voting for nominations... An email was mailed, or like a f- envelope was mailed to multiple members of the music branch saying that her song was ineligible for some technicality with the release date of the film. <clears throat> and people bought it, and the Academy investigated it, and it was found to be fake, like it was never ineligible but she didn't get nominated and a lot of people wonder if that specifically was why because she had been nominated the song had been nominated absolutely everywhere before it was one of the best performing songs of the year like commercially and like everybody knew what movie it was from and that never happens with original songs like you obviously this year that we're in right now is very different because we have people like lady gaga and rihanna nominated but like normally it's not like that right this year they got lana del rey who at the time was one of like the most famous singers in the game and it's like Mm -hmm. the ratings you could have gotten off lana del rey but it's just funny that at the end of the day that category ended up only having four nominations because they rescinded the one and she was just right there she could have won it's
1: oh my god
2: It's really crazy. And with Baz Luhrmann in the conversation again, I'm just remembering them being everywhere together and that music video was beautiful. And it was just like really, I'm not a fan of the original song category. I would probably get rid of it if I was in charge of the Academy. But that (laughs) song is used in the movie. It's recognizable outside of the movie. It like hits all the boxes you want an original song to hit kind of like shallow was like Used in the movie part of the plot. Right. Very
1: similar, I was going to say, actually. There was no
2: mistaking that Young and Beautiful was about the Great Gatsby story when you looked at the lyrics. And like, it's just like it actually did what it needed to for an original song. And just it getting shut out was absolutely wild. But that was like a really exciting, like, Oscar year with everything that was going on behind the scenes. So Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for the drama, but I'm sad it missed out on the nomination. And it'll. Every time the song comes on on my phone, I'm just like, God, what could have been? Uh, what gosh. could have been?
1: Well, you know what's tough too. And, uh, Young and Beautiful's one, Shallow's one. I mean, there's you count them on one hand, probably. I'm not even kidding. But when a song becomes like a character in the movie, like it's so like attached to the production that it was written for. I mean, how can it not, at a minimum, be nominated? It's prime. Uh, yeah, the controversy probably had something to do with it, but yeah, that's that sucks. And Elena Del Rey is a icon walking. I love her. So
2: I love her. We could have avoided her dating a cop if they had just nominated the song for an Oscar. <laughs> like I don't know what to tell them. Like they could have. Helped we could have us. saved
1: so much. <laughs> so uh, look, much like I did with my number four, with Lupita representing women in horror. I'm gonna. I, I don't really even know which one to pick. But basically, I'm gonna name women directors as my runner up, and I'm gonna pick Greta Gerwig for little women most recently, because that's probably the one that's top of mind. Although you could even name some from this year as well. But I have this thing on my phone, Kenzie, that I found today that like literally is why I put it on my list because I could literally couldn't believe it. Let me find it. So it says, uh, there have been over 90 years of the Academy Awards. And in that time, there have been five women. Okay, in ninety 94- four. Four years when this was written for best director. Catherine Bigelow is the only one that has won it for The Hurt Locker, which I agreed with for that year, by the way. Uh, there's so many. It's got a few that were like huge misses here, of which Greta Gerwig was one for Little Women. Uh, you mentioned Barbara Streisand earlier for Prince of Ties, is another one. Uh, Rhonda Haynes for Children of a Lesser God. There's been a lot, Little Miss Sunshine, Valerie Ferris. There's been a lot that the film gets nominated and it gets a lot of technical nominations, acting nominations. And then you have this director column and the director's missing. And it's like, I, 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 help me out here. Like how is, you know, four five, six categories of the film and acting in the film and the film itself for best picture, but the person in the chair that created what is being nominated, all these subcategories is not being nominated. So whether it's intentional or not, it's a problem. And like it, and I'm a dude. I mean, obviously you're a woman, so maybe you have something you want to say about it. But as a dude, I'm going what? <laughs> like, like this year alone, before you go, before you go, let me just say something. What are the what are the things that fucking got me this year on Twitter of all places? So we get the nominations this year, like whatever, whatever. And somebody uh, tweeted out an image, and they were like. Here's a snapshot of the best director nominees, and it was a uh, sign from five guys: <laughs> burgers and fries. It's really <laughs> funny guy.
2: because yeah. this year's actually six men. Oh, God. They couldn't even yeah. just be like, it's five men. They were like, let's do six. It is um, especially in a year like this, where I feel like there were so many options. It wasn't like previous years where there's only like one woman in contention and i understand that like every year we have plenty of movies directed by women but like there were plenty of movies that received oscar nominations that were directed by women and movies that like the woman king should have been oscar nominated that were not at all and sarah
1: polly should be nominated for best Director. Sarah Record, Polly period. should
2: be right there An absolutely is,
1: zero question that yeah, she should be nominated
2: like and I understand their whole thing is like they kind of have their international slot, they have their woman's slot, and they're like, we can't do both. But mm. it's just the Greta Gerwig one sends me to space. That was one of my honorable mentions because the movie had six Oscar nominations. And they it's were crazy. like, never mind, it didn't, it directed yeah. itself. Um, I mean, I
1: could remember talking to my wife about that particular one uh, that year. I mean, I know she got nominated for a Lady Bird, which I, I actually like Lady Bird a little bit more in terms of, you know, against each other.
2: I will but, die for both of those movies. I will die for okay. Barbie, I assume. She. I, I'm uh, sure I will too. <laughs> it's going to blow us all away. I just think that, like, if Greta Gerwig can't get in, like, what is the saying mm-hmm. about women of color? And, like, Ava DuVernay is one of my honorable mentions because Selma. Mm-hmm. Best Picture nominee, mm-hmm. one original song directed itself. Like it should have been an actor, also. Um, but there's something to say that, like, women, white women can't get nominated. So, like, what are we saying about women of color? Um, to s- specifically, black women, because time and time again, there are so many black women that direct movies that land with audiences. Like, you look at The Woman King, A plus cinema score, it made double its budget it was the number one movie opening weekend it came out it held on for weeks i saw that movie in theaters with my mom when she came to visit me like four months after it came out like because it was still playing and Mm -hmm. it comes out on netflix it's the number one movie in the world on netflix like that movie worked with people that are at home in theaters that movie made money that movie was a technical feat it had viola davis academy award winner exactly Mm -hmm. at its center and that movie did everything it needed to. And, like, it wasn't enough. And it's, like, there's a serious conversation to be had about women getting into director. But there's a more serious conversation about, like, women of color getting in. And it's, I like, agree. over the weekend, Getty Images puts out a photo of the Daniels with Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao. And they label her Stephanie Shu. <laughs> like, it's...
1: Oh, God. I didn't see that.
2: And it was up for 12 hours. It's... Um, it there's such an awful conversation that needs to happen and it needs to happen soon because it's just getting worse every year. This list shouldn't get longer. It should get shorter. It's just very frustrating. And it's like, there are so many years where I can give you like seven women directors I wanted in, but had no chance because like, I think a lot of people need to take a step back and realize like, like, you can't just get into director. Like, look at Edward Berger, a white man, one director at BAFTA over the weekend,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: isn't even nominated because, like, they don't know who he is. So they just didn't nominate him. So mm-hmm. it's an even bigger hurdle for women because women don't get the same opportunities as men still. Specifically still women of color, it's harder. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, for me, like, Gina from the woman, the director directed The Woman King, like, she is a name. Like, people know her. Like, Mm -hmm. her movies have been working for people for decades. And it's like, just, it's so frustrating. And it's, but it's just like even more frustrating with a year like this, where you look at Charlotte Wells, won every single debut director award she could have won and was never even considered for director. It's like, what, like, we had Sarah Pauly. We had Sarah Pauly. Like, yeah. There are so many. And it's just like I I don't even know. And it's so funny when you look at the debut director lineup from DGA, four or five are women. And it's like, what are you saying to them that they can't get into director? And it's like Sarah Pauly should have been in, but there are so many other women women that should have been in. And it's like just so frustrating in a year of riches with women directors, they didn't even give us one.
1: Well, can I ask you? I agree. Well, can I ask you too? As a woman, I'll just ask you. So, I mean, this has obviously been a problem because I just gave you that stat where it was like you know five over ninety plus years or whatever. So, like as that's happening year after, and it happened again this year as we've been talking about with Sarah Pauli and Charlotte Wells and others that missed. Is it like kind of like a a wave that's that's growing that eventually because what really frustrates me too is that the what the academy apparently doesn't realize is that one or two of these nominations of these women let's say they nominate women like at least one every year for the next like five years let's just say that happens that's going to be such a celebrated thing they're going to seem like heroes do you know what i mean because it's like finally you get it like The way – in other words, do you think that wave is finally going to crash and it's going to like rain down on them? Or do you think we're going to keep building it up until God knows when? Well, I I mean, what do you think?
2: One of the biggest things is like – so BAFTA installated those juries to guarantee that they have more diverse nominees. And the reason it hasn't really been working is because every single year they change the rules. And like we saw over the weekend – Every single winner was white. So sure you can force a nomination, but you can never force a win. Right. Um, I think like a big problem is that one there is still a large chunk of the Academy that is that original voting body that gave driving Miss Daisy best picture. Like mm-hmm. obviously, since the Oscar's so white year they invited way younger people, they've invited more diverse people, they've invited more women, um, more international people. But it's just like, I think people need to realize it's like, it's gonna take so long to change. Like, there are years where we'll get winners that are exciting, like we'll get Chloe Zhao, we'll get Jane Campion, we'll get like, um moonlight winning best picture we'll get nomadland winning best picture which i feel like people forget about how cool that is that a movie like nomadland won best picture but that was just such a weird year that like i feel like we all like look past it but like there are examples of wins where it's like wow they are making changes but it's just like there are also examples of like ruben oslin getting a best director nomination but that was simply because like they knew who he was
1: yeah, like, I know. Yeah, for and sure. And it was
2: just like, I think like a big problem is like the whole like MGM being behind Till where they didn't really know what to do. So they just like played the original game that we've all told them. Like you campaign, you get her to X, Y, and Z events, and then she'll get nominated because you like did everything you were supposed to. Hmm. And then you have someone like, I'm not saying she did it, but Andrea Riseborough's team did whatever they did, and then she got a nomination. Right. Or you have someone like Ana de Armas, who had Netflix behind her. And I think, like, there's just different types of campaigning. And I think, like, we need to figure out what it is with director, because there's something bad going on here. Like, it yeah. needs to change. And it's, like, so frustrating to see winners like Jan Campion, winners like Chloe Zhao, winners like Bong Joon-ho, even. Like, where it's, like, you get these amazing wins and then it's, like, like it just disappears, like it just so deflates
1: quickly. You the next year, yeah, and no, it's like I agree. one
2: for them, one for us. But at some point, like you can't just shut out women every year, like throw us a bone every once in a while. Like
1: it's wild. there needs
2: to be some sort of like way to include people who are not well known, because it right. can't just be a popularity contest. Like, yep, it's so frustrating, and it's like the same thing, honestly. Like. Denis Villeneuve got snubbed. We were all, like, freaking out about it. But it's like, everyone should have the same feelings about, like, Gina Prince-Bythewood missing and, like, all these other women missing. And it's like, what do we, like, have to do to get women of color, women behind the camera recognized? It's just so frustrating. And I do think if they added some sort of debut director category, that it would really help because it would help them become names because... We were talking about this on our Oscar Central podcast where, like, a big thing with them not broadcasting the short winners live was really hurtful because do you know how many short winners we have watched on that stage? And then they get feature deals. They get big deals Mm -hmm. after that. And then you see them return later, like – martin mcdonough won a short oscar and now he's back nominated for best director like Mm -hmm. it really can help platform people and like i think we could use a debut director category to highlight new directors and get their name out there like you we were talking about the dga debut director category four out of five nominees were women and i think if you had something like that it would help them build more name recognition and that could help later on when they have a feature In Or even like you could run into someone double nominated debut and director like Charlotte Wells could have been because if her Mm -hmm. name was eligible for a debut director, maybe more people would have seeked out the movie and then seeked out like because I do know like there are a lot of people who are watching After Sun now because Paul Mescal received the actor's nomination, but to nominate him that was only the actor's branch so like maybe the director's branch didn't even watch that movie. But if they were looking at debut directors, it could help there be some overlap. But I do think they need to do something because it's obviously a name recognition thing. But they obviously clearly also have a problem with women. And it's just like there are some women that are in the club. But even then, Greta Gerwig in the club one year and then out of the club two years later. So. i know
1: it's crazy it's crazy well i know it's a hot button topic but yeah it's uh so i mean basically women directors is my runner-up i got greta gerwig in there for little women i was just remember being like floored that that one didn't get because it got like you said i think it was six others and i was just like how did this movie get made <laughs> it's like greta gerwig you know previous and the and she'd previously been nominated so, I don't know, it was just weird that she got left out that year so She's kind of the representation, but my number two overall is just women directors in general, and I agree with everything you said. So, we are up to our number ones, Kinsey. Here we go. The biggest Oscar snub in your mind. What's your number one?
2: Mine was actually Greta Gerwig. So, was it? Yeah, I. So I for yes, Little Women. Yes, I. Yeah. Uh, her loss for screenplay still stays with me, but Little mm. Women was a it's a book I read with my daughter now I have a children's book version of it for my daughter I uh yeah I think what she did with that movie was just so powerful and I I don't even know how to I can't even keep talking about it but just women well that's
1: fine I mean we covered it for sure but yeah yeah, it's I mean I I
2: I think she'll obviously be fine she's a white woman married to a (laughs) like will partner with a famous male writer director but it's just one of those she did everything right she hit most of the precursors the movie was best picture nominee was a financial hit and obviously that wouldn't happen now but i i don't know i think like there's something to be said about a woman telling that story again in 2019 and it was like it became a classic and that's not something I ever expected from someone re-adapting Little Women. Like I would never call her Little Women a remake. And that is so much to do with her direction style. Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. are so many clips that I'm sure as a man, as a husband there, like with um, the the father listening from behind the stairs, Beth playing the piano, like that scene really gets my husband present day. Like, I think there's so much to be said about what she did with the, all the two timelines that no one else could have done. And it's just, she's yeah. a former nominee in the category. Crazy. And they were like, never it, mind. And I do think- It was think the
1: definition of a snub. I mean, the absolutely. The
2: directorial choices she made in that movie or what made it the movie it was. And obviously, a lot of it had to do with the screenplay. But her direction in that film is just unbelievable. And I'll just never forgive them. Yeah.
1: It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but we matched up there. We also matched up with crossover with what my number one is Mr. Andrew Garfield from the social network, not getting in for best supporting actor, hitting pretty much everything leading up to it. Critics loved it. I mean, it was a commercial success. It's David Fincher. Uh, Literally no world would I've been like, he's not going to get nominated based on what had been happening that year. And it was my favorite movie of 2010. It's one of my favorite films of that decade. Uh, I mean, the guy has another reason why it's somewhat baffling is because that's kind of where it started for him in terms of like notoriety from award circles and critic circles. It really started with that performance. And you mentioned Hacksaw Ridge. But I mean, just other things that he's done since then that
2: silence. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, you know, under the Silver Lake, uh, his recent um Uh, Playing Jim Baker in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, Tick, Tick, Boom was freaking killer. I mean, the guy is is one of those actors that is on that, like, and I'm, of course, adding X number of years to it, but he's on that path of, like, a Leo or Brad Pitt where it's like everybody wants him in their movie because of the craft and because of how good he is at what he does, but also because he's so charismatic. He's such a recognizable face you know everybody seems to love him myself included and i mean in this movie the social network i mean the the fuck I mean, you mentioned the fuck you flip flop. i mean that scene is like
2: that scene all only, time scene it only works with someone like him because someone else could oh, have easily man. overacted and yeah. just ruined it but he knew exactly how to land that sorkin dialogue mm. and i also feel like he can because fincher notoriously is uh not one for being kind to actors with the amount of takes and i mm-hmm. do know that that scene was shot like 30 times so mm. absolutely wild frustration out. that uh he was able to pull that off and if you watch the making of that movie because r.i.p to special features on dvds and blu-rays yeah. but i mean the way the camera moves there is so quick and he knew exactly where to be and to not be in the way of anyone else and obviously that's a lot to do with fincher but like what a perfect pairing of director and actor and i think like that will just like always really stand out to me that and i really love the scene where he goes to the house and sees how they're not working really and he's like what are you doing i think like he just as someone who's type a like watching that performance i was like i i am this man
0: I have not been cut out
2: of billions of dollars, but I am this man.
1: (laughs) And you mentioned, too, I mean, he's really the only or one of the very few like relatable characters in that movie, too. Yeah, because he
2: really like lands that fine line of being like he's portraying someone real, but also being like an audience surrogate. And I think like Mm -hmm. that can only be pulled off with an actor like Andrew Garfield.
1: I mean, I thought it was, you know, when I do my Golden Peas movie awards, I I lump the supporting and the lead together. I just do male performance and female performance. And I thought that that was the best performance by a male that year, period. I just absolutely was taken by it. I'm a bit of a Fincher fanboy, so that may have had something to do with it. But I absolutely love that movie. So,
2: there you go. Ride or die for Fincher.
1: So, there we go. That's our top five. Oscar snubs. Kenzie, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick promo break. When we come back from that, we're going to give our honorable mentions real quick, and then we'll shout out the fans online and see what they had to say for what their Oscar snubs have been. Kenzie, sit tight. We will be right back.
0: Hey guys, it's Drew from The Real Films Podcast, and you know every year, my buddy Gerald over at Two Peas, he puts on his own personal movie award show, which he has affectionately called The Golden Peas, where he honors the previous year in film. Now this year, it's going to be the first time, and it's going to be done as a YouTube broadcast. How cool is that? They're going to be guest presenters giving out awards in seven different categories, including Best Movie, Best Female Performance, and, of course, my personal favorite, Best Horror Movie. Now, here's the thing about all the winners for this award show. They are voted on and chosen by you. These awards are 100% based on your participation and votes. So what you're going to do, you're going to help me share and promote this event leading up until the day it happens. All right, and of course, don't forget to cast your own votes. You got to head on over to twopeasonapod.comslash golden peas, and there you're going to see the list of nominees and you're going to cast your votes. Then on Monday, March 13th, that's Monday, March 13th at 9 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you're going to see all of the winners revealed live on YouTube. We're going to have some amazing special guests and Gerald himself will be joined by co-host and guys, contain your excitement. He's going to be joined by the god of podcasting himself, Brian Loysauce. We hope that you can join us this year to once again celebrate our shared love of the movies. You're the realist.
1: Welcome back, guys. As I said pre break, Kenzie is here, first time guest from Oscar Central. And the sting is still fresh with all these Oscar snubs that we've been discussing, especially during Oscar season. It's making me mad all over again. I'm reliving all of these baffling (laughs) moments in my life. The
2: PTSD. But thank you
1: for, (laughs) exactly. But thank you for talking me through it, Kenzie. Why don't you remind everybody what did you have over there for your top five again?
2: So at number five, I had Suspiria for hair and makeup. Number four, Andrew Garfield for Supporting Actor for The Social Network. Number three was Do The Right Thing for Best Picture. Number two was Lana Del Rey's Young and Beautiful for Best Original Song. And number one was Miss, previous Academy Award nominee, Greta Gerwig for Director for Little Women.
1: Crazy, crazy. So I have something to ask you, but first let me wrap up my top five. So my number five was Bradley Cooper as Director for A Star Is Born. My number four would be Lupita Nyong'o from Us. Number three was Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. My number two was Greta Gerwig for the director of Little Women. And my number one was Andrew Garfield for The Social Network. Now, how much – we had a lot of crossover. You told me you were we going to try to
2: – Yeah. <laughs> what happened? We did. I mean
1: – but it's okay because I, I feel somewhat redeemed that uh, yeah. I've really, I was really angry about these. So I'm like glad you're on board with a lot of them. So yeah. So there you go. All right. So real quick, I know you probably have some honorable mentions that you're equally upset about, but they didn't quite crack your top five. So what other snubs do you have over there, Kenzie?
2: So I kind of mentioned her, but Ava DuVernay for Selma director. I think that that movie had so much going against it and then it worked and I was blown away with her direction. Um, it's his, it's his month. So, uh, Two for Titanic. I'm gonna go original screenplay for James Cameron. Fight me all you want, but beautiful storytelling, great structure to absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio for Titanic. I'm not a big Leo. Was overdue. I think it's one of the worst Oscar wins in history. And he was not overdue. And but Titanic absolutely deserved nomination. To be nominated Bro. for fourteen <laughs> Oscars and not nominate him is insane. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Insane. I agree 100%. I mean
2: It won 11 Oscars and they couldn't bother to nominate him. It's Like, let's go. Insane. Um Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It's and then I've rewatched it a few times and, and in theaters and I was just like, what are we doing here? Um and my last one is kind of like two because they're both France. Um mm-hmm. Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Titan not even making any list because they were not one was not submitted. Um,
1: Celine Sciamma too, another female director,
2: and Julia Ducournau for Titan. It's um, two of my favorite movies of the last ten years, and to just not even get an mm-hmm. international feature nomination. And I'm sorry that people will yell at me that Lady Miz was better than Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It was <laughs> not. Yeah, right. It, it was definitely not.
1: was not. <laughs>
2: um,
1: <laughs> it was not i <laughs> know uh, offense to anyone that agrees or thinks otherwise yeah, but i'm with you good. on that one
2: uh yeah those two just All right. keep me up at night what about you well, what good. are some of your honorable so, yeah, mentions
1: so my honorables i'll run through real quick um we touched on really just one of them which is kind of surprising but my number six now uh, this was in the conversation i remember that for that for that year i don't have the stats in front of me or whatever but i really this dude period i feel like ever since he kind of transitioned from comedy to like drama, if you will, could have easily been nominated like two or three times by now. But I'm talking about Jim Carrey and I'm talking about from man on the moon would be my number That's six where he portrayed Andy Kaufman.
2: That's a really, but good I mean, one. you're
1: talking eternal sunshine, the Truman show. I mean, what he did in the Truman show could have been nominated. Uh, I think the guy is going to, always be running away from you know the ace ventura days and and kind of that slapstick comedy that he did, which I also love by the way. But I don't know, just when he became Andy Kaufman. And there's a really good documentary on Netflix about his kind of transformation to that role too. But that would be my number six. My number seven would be the other kind of like horror girl, if you will, and that's Tony Collette from Hereditary playing this uh just fucking out of this world unwild uh, woman. <laughs> just unbridled mother on the verge of God knows what. Um, But yeah, I I love Ari Aster. I love hereditary. And I felt like that was one that could have been nominated as well. And it would have made sense from a horror perspective. Uh, Number eight would have been Amy Adams from her arrival. I love her. I love her body of work. I'm not like, I mean, I probably give the movie like a B minus or a C plus. Like, I mean, I liked it, but I just think her performance was just, so like quietly brilliant and she was getting nominated everywhere else and it just didn't happen for her that year my number nine would be from this year the best female performance aside from Mia Goth in my opinion was Danielle Dedgeweiler until I
2: think that if you redid this in five years that would be every person you asked number one because yeah soul crushing it's it's also one of those things like you don't even need to watch the movie if you think you can't handle it. Like, you can watch that clip that's resurfaced of her yeah. testimony and yeah. how you do not nominate that woman is unbelievable.
1: <sighs> oh my God. It's so, I, I just can't, I literally can't it's believe it. It's honestly mean,
2: laughable. It's just saying I don't like black actresses in all caps. Like I mean, that's what it feels
1: like. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, if people talk about Andre Riseburn, and I did a video on my YouTube channel about that and I kind of researched it when it happened. Cause I was like everybody else, just really shocked by it. Not to take away from her performance. I thought it was good in two Leslie, but
0: I mean, it's you look at like Michelle level. Williams.
1: No, it's not. But you look at like Michelle Williams and the Fabelmans. I mean, that's a supporting, in my opinion. You look it's at supporting, and it's uh, also not good. <laughs> it's not that great. And you look at Ana de Armas, who I mean, that, that movie, movie is a and fucking shit show. I don't even think she's show. good
2: in it. I don't even think she's I mean, good in it.
1: I love it's, her so much, um, but that movie is a nightmare. Like, well, I, no, I can't I believe I it, can't even, even
2: defend her anymore because of everything she said post that movie, but. Yeah, Danielle Dudweiler will just go down. This will always be one of the biggest snubs. Like when you Google Oscar snubs, I'm pretty sure in a few years she'll be the first result because Mm. one of the all time bonehead. Yeah.
1: All time bonehead miss. And then my number 10 would have been I, I don't know, maybe you know Kenzie, but I think this is the movie that made them kind of start doing the 10 nominees. But it didn't get nominated for best movie that year, and it was The Dark Knight. Christopher Nolan's yeah, that, The Dark Knight so in two thousand eight. A,
2: a lot of people consider yeah. that the one that pushed them. That's over just the like
1: edge. I'm like, I mean, even if you don't like quote unquote superhero movies, I mean, that was but a that crime drama like, that was. T-
2: I'm not a superhero epic. girly, but uh, that is that really started the whole. You can make a superhero movie that's in realism, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be reliant on like cgi um it can be practical it can be so many other things Mm -hmm. and i think like that's really like the blueprint for like what you get now when you get a director like matt reeves who made the batman last year Mm -hmm. like you can tell that he was like if he if christopher nolan can do that i can do this and i think like those are the movies that get people like me who don't like superhero stuff to watch Mm -hmm. them
0: like, yeah.
2: if you give me a movie that's inspired by Zodiac and Seven, I will be there. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah. it is definitely the movie that kind of kickstarted the expand to ten, include more populists. Because that's like the perfect example of for me, someone who is not high on Top Gun Maverick, of um, the in-between of like populists and well yeah, crafted. Exactly. Movies. And um, you and you
1: need those too. I mean, you know, like when Black Panther
2: got nominated. I mean, you need yeah, those. Like Black Panther's like an I, I think Black Panther is more commercial, but like the technical aspects of um Black Panther, like you're undeniable. Like the costume design, the score. Even like at the first one, like even the cinematography, like it was you could feel the craftsmanship of that movie. And I think mm-hmm. like that's what sets those movies apart. And like that's what made the movie I think it got like, I think it won three. Like, it's like, that's what happens is like you let people like Ryan Coogler make movies. And, right. <laughs> and that's what you get is like exactly a beautiful film. And I think like the Dark Knight is the kind of like the Kickstarter to some of like, it doesn't have to be whatever Ant-Man is. I will kick Ant-Man for the rest of my life because that trailer is the worst thing that ever happened to me.
1: I mean, I have MCU fatigue without a doubt. But what what The Dark Knight was different because it was like a, a crime drama with Batman in it as opposed to...
2: A Batman movie.
1: Right, right. So it was... And you're right. Christopher Nolan is a filmmaker and he's a storyteller. So he's like, sure, I'll make this Batman trilogy for you. But guess what? They're going to be Nolan movies. They're not going to be Batman movies. Exactly. And I feel like that's kind of what we got. I mean, Heath Ledger gave an all-time performance. And, you know, he won posthumously that year. And the technical stuff that it was, you know, in the running for, I just feel like, I just couldn't, I, I don't know. I just feel like they missed an opportunity to really, you know, give it its due with at least a Best Picture nomination. You know, much like horror, I mean, I, I'm not a big superhero guy either. But, I mean, much like horror, that that genre doesn't really get noticed a lot by the Academy, so.
2: Well, it shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nevertheless, it doesn't, but you're right. Um, okay, so there we go. So there you go, guys. Uh, I tell you what, we're going to head over to social media, Kenzie. We're going to see what the fans have to say real quick as we wrap up the episode. So I just said over there, what are some of the biggest Oscar snubs of all time? Let's see what they had to say. Uh, Dan, patron and friend of the show, says Jake Gyllenhaal from Nightcrawler. He shares a gif of him from that film. <laughs> uh, Tony, patron and friend of the show, says Hitchcock or Kubrick, never winning best director.
2: Yeah, those were my, because I almost named my dog Stanley Kubrick, um, changed mm-hmm. my life, but um, him not winning for A Space Odyssey is wild, <laughs> wild, Barry Lyndon, nothing, absolutely insane. And yeah. obviously, Alfred Hitchcock, but I would have given it to him for Psycho and Billy Wilder won for The Apartment, and I don't know if I could take away
1: I know. That. Yeah, that's a tough call. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough call. Uh, Jared Taylor, patron friend of the show says, won't you be my neighbor for best documentary?
2: That I agree with. But I also think that has like a bit of a legacy now that it's like one of those infamous populist documentaries that missed out. Mm-hmm. And it gave us like the like the boom and resurgence of Mr. Rogers. Mr.
1: Rogers, yeah, for sure. Jared also mentioned uh, Tron Legacy for Best Visual Effects and the score for Daft Punk as well.
2: Those are two great ones. Completely. Yeah, I
1: agree. I agree. Uh, Joey Austin, uh, patron and friend of the show, says he wished The Wrestler had got nominated for Best Picture.
2: I'm an Aronofsky girly. I would say yes.
1: Mickey Rourke got all the kind of fanfare that year. Deserve it. I thought it was a great performance. Let's see. Uh Chris Yaney, patron friend of the show, he'll say 13 days, the perfection and RRR not getting in for best picture this year. Do you think that should have been one of the 10 this year?
2: Um, I don't, but I <laughs> I would have considered him in director, honestly, Rajamoli. Yeah. I just don't yeah. think I would have put it in picture, especially because I know it would take women talking spot. So I am fine yeah. with its miss.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Actually, uh, Julio, a patron in front of the show. Now we were just talking about superhero movies. He's a big superhero guy, so he says that he feels like Endgame should have been nominated.
2: Not to quote a white man, but Don Draper. That's what the money's for.
1: <laughs> oh man, let's see. Jason, uh, patron friend of my uh, friend of the show, says do the right thing. There you go. Yeah, for uh, best picture. It's he also says Jim Carrey for the Truman Show. So that's that's for me, I think. And then he's got Jake Gyllenhaal. He lists Nightcrawler, Nocturnal Animals, Enemy, Brokeback Mountain.
2: He was nominated for Brokeback Mountain. He was, yeah. He lost. Uh, But I agree about um, Nocturnal Animals. I think he's incredible in that movie.
1: Yeah, he's really good. Like you said, though, after Nightcrawler, it kind of has a different turn. fell off the face of the earth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Michael Hill, a friend of mine and a patron of the show, says that Uh, we don't talk about Bruno for best song.
2: I agree. I think that's what we were kind of talking about earlier with original song that broke the zeitgeist. It was everywhere. Everybody knew it. I didn't even see that movie for months and I knew the song. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: They performed it at the Oscars. It was nominated.
1: (laughs) And we will end on Dan Roski, top tier patron of the show, a promising young loyal. He says, Pam Greer from Jackie Brown, Edward Norton in Primal Fear. That's a good one. That That's a pretty big snub. I feel like I've forgotten about that one. He also says Courtney Love from The People versus Larry Flint. Uh, Steve Buscemi in Fargo and Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. What do you think about that list there?
2: Pam Greer is um, an all-timer in my household. Jackie Brown is me and my husband's favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Um, yeah, she's nice. beautiful. Everything you want in a lead actress in that film. Everything. I agree. guys thank
1: you so much for the feedback this week in the old suggestion box Uh, as always i appreciate it i'm sorry if i didn't get to your comments but we're running a little long because this has been a blast talking to kenzie finally getting her on the show from oscar central during oscar season to talk about oscar snubs so what else could i want i'm excited that you're here finally why don't you tell everyone real quick kenzie where they can find you and everybody over at oscar central
2: You can follow Oscar Central on all social media platforms at Oscars underscore Central. You can follow me at Venunu on all social media platforms. Um, And check out our website, oscarcentral.com. We have predictions, reviews. We have an amazing Oscar board with everyone's predictions ranked. Um, We have lots of FYCs for everyone to check out. And... This drops right before the Oscars, so there will be tons of think pieces on who is winning what in every single category. So if you're in the Academy, I hope you voted for Austin Butler, Paul Mescal, and that's my (laughs) my stump speech.
1: Oh, man. Yep. Uh, Kenzie, it was a blast. I really appreciate you being here. It was a lot of fun, and thanks so much for making the trek over here and making the time to do it.
2: Awesome. I was so excited to be asked, and I can't wait to come back one day
1: absolutely by the way i'm waiting till after the sacks to make my final predictions so
2: (laughs) good call call.
1: i need to do that because i don't know (laughs) what the hell's going on in some of these races so i'm gonna hang tight but anyway uh guys look in the show notes and look kenzie up and check out oscar central make sure you give her a follow over there she's a blast and uh, as we all know nicole ackman is as well and she's part of that click over yeah, there as she well does
2: everything with me and i'm so thankful to run everything with her so go north carolina forgiving me yes <laughs> cool.
1: yes uh kenzie it was a blast i appreciate it and uh, once again thanks so much for being here guys thank you so much for listening this week we will be back next week post oscars so i don't know how i'll feel but i'll be back and i'll have another guest and another top five for you until then everybody take care